Welcome to the Digital Health Leaders Podcast from Chime, where we bring you the top talent in digital health leadership with your host, the president and CEO of Chime, Russ Branzell. Well, welcome to today's program broadcast live from Vive. This is the Digital Health Leaders Podcast Series. We have a great leader today, Andy Crowder, who's the Enterprise Senior Vice President, Chief Information and Analytics Officer for Atrium Health, one of my favorite places uh, in the country. Used to spend some time there myself. Welcome to the program, Andy. Uh, Great to be here, Russ. Thank you. All right. First of all, how are you doing? How's the great folks at Atrium Health doing? You know, kind of coming out of the pandemic, maybe into the endemic world. How did you all handle last year and how are you personally doing? I mean, we're doing fantastic. I couldn't be more excited about the opportunities we have in front of us. And we had a huge success even during the pandemic and learned how to do things. I think uh, the new normal. So really excited about what's in front of us. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I know you all are always on the cutting edge. And I know a couple mm-hmm. of the people you get to work with on your senior team that are just truly just like you pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope. You've all started down your own journey of a digital accelerator. First of all, tell us what a digital accelerator is, but what's your approach in this program? Yeah, so uh, the digital acceleration strategy, we kicked it off in 2019, shortly after I joined the organization. It's three quarters of a billion dollars of investments. Uh, It's got about $115 million run rate improvement to the bottom line when it starts hitting in year three. Uh, It's epic everywhere, enterprise data harmonized across all our markets and regions. Uh, Oracle Cloud, ERP, um, brand new virtual health, um, consumer, front door, back door, all of the engagement things where you ideate in the white, white space. And then the last one, which is the holy grail of everything that we do, I think, is predictive analytics. The next right intervention and insight and the next step and really taking that cognitive burden off of our caregivers and our teammates. Three quarters of a billion dollars. It's that a is lot. a big investment. One of the biggest I've ever heard of, yeah. actually. I, I got to tell you, Gene Woods uh, and Anthony DeFiro and Atrium Health Board are absolutely behind us, leading the charge for innovation and transformation. They've got big goals. Well, you talked about there at the end, really getting into the predictive world, which I love that concept. I hate the world of reactive because yeah. it always feels like I'm behind. What's your approach to being proactive? How do you all kind of put that into a philosophy, then execute it into a strategy. Yeah, so uh, we're very fortunate, blessed to have um, a group inside of our organization and a couple of leaders. Uh, Omar Awan, our chief data and digital officer, actually brought those together. I don't know how you do data and digital and analytics without having uh, married at the hip. And then our research and academic institution, Wake, and our Center for Outcomes Research, PhDs, data scientists that are looking at healthcare problems and trying to put that in context and clinical workflow to get to outcomes. We haven't figured it all out, but you know, from a frailty index to sepsis to readmission, a lot of things driving down cost and increasing value and improving the lives of our caregivers. It's just part of what we do. We have to be oriented that way. It's not something else. It's part of our, wow. our fabric. Well, we look forward to seeing some more of that, but you can't do any of that. You cannot do any of that without amazing talent. And we are in a talent war across this country, across the world now. So how are you approaching your team concepts here? Not only obviously keeping them challenged with these great projects, but how do you keep them around? How do you address and lead that team during a period of time when everybody wants to steal your talent? Yeah, well, the talent war is real. It's been real and it's really gotten uh, hot here the past year to year and a half, specifically in the cyberspace. I would say a couple of things. I think, first of all, our for all mission and how we live that every day does give people a higher purpose that they can really resonate with. And so when times are hard, having that in your heart and soul means a lot. 
Uh, the second thing is choice, choice, freedom, and flexibility. We went remote at the beginning of the pandemic. 85% will never come back. We're actually expanding into multiple states. We want choice and flexibility to, to be hardwoven into everything that we do. You know, my perspective and philosophy, everyone may not subscribe to it, but I don't really care where people are at, what they're wearing or what they're doing. What we care about is outcomes. And so I think you have to trust your people and invite them to live whatever their version of their best life is and bring their, their whole self to the, to the work and the effort. That's a lot. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, working remotely. And, and I remember you and I had a conversation. It was many months ago. Matter yeah. of fact, you said, you know, kind of, how are people approaching this? Are people bringing it back to work? What are you seeing, Russ? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm hearing it a little bit everywhere. Yeah. But even for Chime, we look at who we can hire now and the fact that we generally can hire from almost any state. There's a few states have troubles hiring in, but we get amazing talent now. But the difference is they generally work in their PJs. Yeah. Um, it's just a different philosophy there. How are you maintaining that amazing atrium innovation culture when some of your talent might be five, six states away? Well, I think that our HR uh, team led by Jim Dunn and many of the others realized that our managers and our teammates needed different tools and support in this. And so we were really aggressive up front to give our managers and leaders tools for managing team, how to keep the culture alive, daily activities and rituals. What was interesting in it is you know, I'm a big extrovert, a people person. I believed in the management by walking around, seeing the whites of people's eyes. I thought I was going to really struggle. Teams spread really, really fast. What we found out is that maybe some of the people that would sit behind and not feel comfortable sharing their voice, the people that are actually doing things and leading, they stepped forward huge. And as a result of that, our culture became more inclusive. And we found out a lot of things that had gone underneath the radar before. So you thought virtual would hurt you, it actually helped us. We outperformed and we're actually able to accelerate our initiative in the pandemic. Wow. Well, you know that the ecosystem that you used to manage used to be kind of defined by the walls of mm -hmm. that hospital, you know, the, the, the unreal hard walls, but they were just, you know, this concept of I'm only responsible for this little thing. Now you're responsible for the whole ecosystem. And what does that mean? It means the bad guys in the cyber world can attack you from everywhere now. What's your approach to this and, and how your philosophies on cybersecurity, where you can never outspend the bad guys, um, bad people, because I'm sure it's more than just guys yeah. out there. And, and what's your approach to everything from ransomware to all the things that really are hitting day to day everywhere? Yeah, great question. Um, you can never be too vigilant. Um, we had a great position before the past two years, but you've seen what's happened with what's happening right now in Ukraine and Russia and the cyber wars that are going on. We saw what happened with one of our you know, best performing vendors, Kronos. Uh, we had one of our larger firms hit. Um, so, you know, we're ever vigilant in this activity. A couple of things, though. Um, the first one is it's an awareness and a culture and a behavior. Um, you've got to take the time to educate your people. We, we were joking earlier today about the phishing um, test. And one of my partners so far said, I actually fell for it. You know, uh, physicians and clinicians love to click on this stuff. And so it starts with education. And that was hard this past year and a half because people were already stretched really thin, but finding creative ways to educate your resources, you know, minimizing privileged accounts and really looking at your vendor access. Oftentimes it's your vendors that, that get hit in this. Um, and then picking some really select partners, you know, um, I gave a shout out to CrowdStrike. I don't normally do those kind of things, but I think they deserve the shout out. And so having those type of partnerships um, and then re-looking at the risk landscape, you know, our legal team, uh, our cyber insurance activities, uh, significant amount of work there. And then I think um, one of the 
things that we learn from others in the industry is that when you have an event, and we're all going to have one to some extent, it's either going to be a vendor, a partner, it could be small, you're going to get some type of hit. How are you prepared for it to get out of it? And, um, you know, taking a position where we've already got things, and I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want people to hear what we're doing. I'll do it offline. But, you know, having things already ready for that horrible event so that our caregivers and our patients' um, health care isn't um, diminished, recovering quick. I guess would be the the situation. Yeah, if, if anything, you know, kind of a pullback during this COVID period of time, we've been able to learn a lot of lessons. And and what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned during this period of time, where, in a way, we charged forward, and at the same time, we pulled back a little bit to be a little bit more reflective during this period of time. Yeah, you know, one of the things you know, you know, it's a it's it's something that we all innately know, but you don't focus on it and practice it enough. You know, the boundaries of when work starts and when work ends and countless 15 minute meetings throughout the day, you know, self-preservation and taking care of your whole self, you know, the past year and a half to two years, if I had to look at what allowed us and our teams to thrive instead of just survive, it was having a safe place to pull back and having a safe place to say, I need help. We didn't always get that right. You know, we had uh, some examples where we thought, Everybody's going to love the virtual. Most did. But, you know, other teammates said, you know what? I'm the only one at home and I really need to see some people. So how do you create a place for safety for all? Um, And I think that resonates with us. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a couple of our teammates that said, we love Chime, but I have to work in an office. I need to go back. And a couple of them got jobs like at University of Michigan, a few other places that were going back to work in the office. I mean, that's particularly, you know, unique to people, whether they can do this at home thing and not go crazy during this period of time. So obviously we said at the very beginning, you all are doing a lot of innovative things, but at a macro level, think about our industry. Where do you see the big opportunities? We've even talked from stage here at the Vive event. You know, we're, we're in a revolution, which means you need those epiphic moments of big opportunity where we can make big impact. Where do you see those coming? Yeah, you know, um, Atrium Health, and I talked about it before, our for all mission and having a higher calling that's beyond anything that anyone does at the macro level. Um, you know, changing the landscape of the haves and the have nots for health and wellness and closing the gap on health inequities. You know, we, we look at our data and our information and our insights more holistically than we ever have. And, you know, sometimes that tells us stories about how we treat and how we don't treat and how we serve one another that really needs work. Um, and exposing that has been <laughs> rewarding and also challenging. It's made us rethink the landscape of our leadership profiles and a whole host of other things. Well, and I know this is a bit of a personal passion for you. And so how would you like to see us make that big difference? I know the area that you all serve, the general geography. I used to live in that area. I'm actually not that far from where my house is in Georgia. You know, you think about that. You think of like in Atlanta, the haves, and then you can go two counties over and it's the most extreme have nots in that world as you describe them. How can we make a real difference here? What, What do you personally want to do? Yeah, so um, it's interesting because the you know there were things that happened with the pandemic in the Northeast and other places where, you know, the zip code that you lived in, the color of your skin, many other things, gave you a very different reality. Heartbreaking stories, and fortunately, our organization had made the investments in data, had made the investments in the technology, our analytics and PhD and our research people 
actually able to leverage that geo hotspotting. We actually intervened in those communities. We did mobile outreach. I'm so proud of the team. I mean, it was every day you felt like you were making something up. The pace of it was absolutely invigorating. When you look at the partnerships with Hipper Sports and Honeywell, our mass vaccination events, and I, I don't I don't have the numbers. I don't want to misquote it and get the marketing people all upset with me, but I think we were one of the leading health systems in mass vaccinations, and we did not do that with conventional thinking. We had partners. It's amazing to me how, and I knew this from my grandmother, but how powerful the the deacon in a church, the you know the on the grounds food after the preaching service, and then when you put your caregivers and your teammates in that session with them, you've got a community doing something. And when the community gets around it, you can make huge differences. And so I think you'll see more of that. You know, you've got the caregiver sharing the story at the pulpit, and then you've got the caregiver being with them virtual in these communities. And if we didn't have scale and we didn't have that technology, none of those things would have been possible because you can't get to all those places in that time frame. So I think partnerships. Well, as our time's come together, I always like asking this one last question because you've been shaped by a lot of great leaders that have gone in yeah. front of you. You've been in some great organizations and you're obviously in an amazing organization now. What are some of kind of the, the axioms, the leadership principles you've learned over the years that kind of guide you as, a, as an amazing digital health leader, really trying to make the difference you just talked about? What are some of those things? Yeah, so I think the first one is, um, regardless of what your experience is, your accolades and your credentials, just get out of your own way and don't take yourself so seriously. Mm -hmm. We will not make, there's been nothing huge in this world or in this lifetime that was done by a single individual or one brilliant individual. And so I think that getting out of your own way Realize that today, you know, Bruce Sorella says it. it's how you make people feel. Kindness makes a difference um, in creating a playing field that all can come together. Um, it's hard sometimes to get those diverse perspectives, um, but we need them. And I think if you can just keep yourself grounded, humble and focused on serving other people with a heart of gratitude, there's just about nothing we can't get done. Well, that is the very essence of servant leadership, and that is you, Andy. And so we want to thank you for being on this podcast, this episode of our Digital Health Leaders. You're truly one of those great leaders we all should be following. Thank mm -hmm. you and take care. Too kind. Have a great day. And a special thanks to all of you that listened to our program. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast. A special thanks to our sponsor and friends at LK. LK specializes in interoperability and innovation solutions for healthcare and the healthcare continuum. And we appreciate all they do for Chime and our industry. You can visit our website at chimecentral.org forward slash media or Spotify for this and all of our amazing podcasts from top healthcare leaders. But for now, please consider getting vaccinated or boosted. It's not just for you, but for the people you love. Take care, stay safe, and God bless.